0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit MyARCF.com. Oh, hi, by the way, my name is Conrad Carroll, just in, case. <laughs> uh, just in case you haven't met me. Uh, if you haven't been here, I'm the youth director, and so it's my job to uh, hang out with and to teach and disciple the teenagers, the middle schoolers, and high schoolers here. If you want to learn more about the youth group, you can check out that awesome bulletin board over there. (laughs) There are some fun pictures. Um, I could rant on more about the youth group, but my job is to deliver to you uh, the Word of God, so I want to do that with you today, Um, and before we dive in, I want to uh, pray with you, so uh, could we just pause for a moment and, and let's pray. Lord God, I I just want to thank you, Lord, for how you bless us. God, um, man, this is so silly. But I, this morning I was waking up and I just felt so cold, and I was getting in my car and it was freezing, and, and I just felt so bitter. And and then God to to see people um, sitting on the streets. Uh, Against the side of a building, knowing that that's where they slept, God. I just. Lord, even when we complain, we have just so much. So, God, I just pray that today you would just shape our hearts, God. Lord, there are many of us here who have devoted our lives. To you, God, we have recognized you as our King. God, that you call the shots in our life. God, we've recognized you as our Savior. That we were, we were dead. We were lost, and you saved us, Lord, and you keep saving us. And God, I ask that today, for those of us who call you King, Lord, that that we would allow you to shape us and mold us into who you are designing us to be, who you have designed us to be, and who um, you desire us to be, Lord. So God, help us, because on our own we are hopeless, but God, with you, we have everything that we need. So God, be with us today. Allow our hearts to be open, our ears to be open to what you have to say. Lord, we pray all this that you would be glorified through us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, we are going to be uh, jumping into the text here in a little bit, um, in 2 Peter chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, we have a couple of volunteers who are um, able to bring one to you, just raise your hand and they will come straight to your seat. It's great service, really. Um, and uh, if you do not have a Bible at home and they just handed you one, you can take that Bible home. It is your gift. Um, we get these Bibles so we can give them away. So um, so feel no shame. Um, having a Bible is a great, great thing. So we are... Still, in a uh, devotional book that, uh, as a church, we uh, invited you to to go through it with us um, called Come Let Us Adore Him by Paul David Tripp, and uh, I know Christmas is over, I know that it's the 29th, so it's not the 25th, but just because the day has passed does not mean that Christmas has passed. We are still celebrating the fact that Jesus came to earth as a baby boy. We are still eagerly anticipating his second coming. And uh, so Christmas doesn't just come and go like a holiday, um, but it it stays with us. Uh, Which I know is the very heartbeat of some of you. You're like, I wish it was Christmas all year round. And I'm like, it can be. It really, really can be. So... So we are, this, this will be the end of this series going through this, this book, and today's um, devotional will be the, the topic for us. Um, and, and that, that topic, uh, I'm just going to read straight from this book. If, if you don't know about this book, Paul David Tripp had written uh, tweets. For those of you who don't know what tweets are, it's an internet thing where you post it and people read it and they can retweet, and yeah, it's weird. But he wrote one of these every day in December, and then he later decided to kind of flesh out these thoughts into full chapters and put it into a book and made it a devotional. But the, the main thought that he had for today, for December 29th, was this. Jesus was born to die in our place so that we who were dead would be born again to new life and we're gonna be jumping into a text that he refers to and the his main point in this devotional is not quite the main point of the text so we're gonna hit both a little bit so you get a little twofer Um, but our, our topic today is don't live halfway and we will start with with that thought and then we will get into the text and um, start crying together. It's going to be great. So, don't hit live halfway is, is our text for today. Um, and the, the main point that he just said here, I'm trying to click, there it is. God knew that a fetal Jesus was fatal. I wrote it like that so it sounds all catchy, but just to explain that, Jesus coming to earth, his in his incarnation, God becoming a person, a human being, required a gestation period. It required this development. There's a a song by a rapper named Jason and Lecrae. They worked together on the song, and 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 in it, um, there's a there, there's a point where 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 they say. The the gestation of Jesus is the preparation of nerve endings to feel all of the exquisiteness of the pain of the cross. When Jesus was being formed in the womb, he was being developed so that he would have a broad back so that he could carry the cross. He was being developed so that he would have a forehead where thorns could press in to wear the crown of thorns. He was... Developing a side where a spear could be pressed in. God knew from the very beginning that Jesus was born to die. And he wasn't just born to die for no reason. Because if you think about it, all of us are born to die. It's just kind of part of it. You're you're not getting out of this life alive. Good luck well actually Christians we have some some extra hope but but Jesus died so that we could experience true life but but God knew from the very beginning from the very beginning that Jesus was born to die there is a book this is a resource i want to tell you about right now a book that John Piper wrote called Fifty Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Whoa. We you, Paul David Tripp just told us one, so that us who were dead would be born again to new life. So how are there fifty? The the question, why did Jesus come to die? is kind of a hard question and an easy question at the same time, because it's like, oh am I am I gonna have the the right answer and but there are actually a lot of answers. And so it's easy to be right, but it's not easy to be all the way right. This book has, yeah, 50 reasons. The book is only 125 pages long. So each reason only has like two to three pages, um, which is nice, easy to read. Um, and it's free online. That's why I'm telling you about it. If you go on their website, if you go on desiringgod.com, you can get this this for free but here like it's insane just looking at this list even just looking at the table of contents is like a knife into your heart just wow man Jesus came to die so when we look when just looking at a couple of these for why Jesus came to die so that we could live there there are some that that say um, to free us from the futility of our ancestry Uh, That that we might die to sin to live to righteousness so that we would die to the law and bear fruit for God To enable us to live for Christ and not for ourselves to enable us to live by faith in him all sorts of reasons It's practically inexhaustible to think about man. Why did Jesus come to die? One thing's for sure is that he had you in mind when he was on that cross He was thinking about you. But God knew from the very beginning. He was thinking about all these things long before John Piper was thinking about these things, long before John Piper was alive, and that was a long time ago. Because he's old. All right. Now we are going to uh, jump into the text and read in Second Peter chapter one verses three through nine. And if you have that black hardback Bible that they just handed out, that'll be on page 100, sorry, 1023. So we will read um, right on through from three to eleven. And this letter is written uh, by Peter. And yes, that very same Peter, the one who was um, very close with Jesus, was in that inner circle, the one who, who proclaimed Jesus as the Christ while he was still alive, and, and Jesus says that, that on this rock, on you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The same one who, when Jesus died, he denied him three times and was made aware of it. It got Jesus told him that he was going to deny him and then sure enough he did three times and then when Jesus rose from the grave he has a conversation with Peter and restores him it's this Peter who has experienced so much of who Jesus is so very very closely so I feel like he has a little bit of authority when he when he writes so let's let's read together verse 3. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous, generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, with, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so looking at at verse 3 God has given us everything we need for living a godly life now this first main point if you've got a pen and and the fill in the blanks there that first point is the law proves that we are ill-equipped and Jesus is our equipper now when I say the law that's a pretty broad Thing to say, but talking about specifically the first five books of the Bible, which are not just a law code like we might think of uh, the Constitution or Bill of Rights or things like that, or you know, this enormous code that judges and lawyers have to memorize to even be able to be qualified for what they do. Not quite that kind of law, but if you've read the first five books of the Bible, you know that there is a lot more than just commands and instructions. There are also lots of stories and lots of poems and things like that. There's just so much to it. It's not just reading laws, unless you're in Leviticus. Then it kind of is. But, but there, there's so much to it. But as you read it, you see that there are these people that God calls and who trust Him, and, and who serve Him, and none of them are perfect. And they aren't perfect because there are these commands that God gives them, and they fail. It's what happens. People are, are commanded, they, they have these instructions, and they fail. And that's the purpose, that's the whole point of the law, of these stories, of the commands, of these poems is to recognize, to see that, well, actually, I don't have what it takes to be perfect. I do not possess the qualities to be a flawless human being. And I'm alone on that. So, <laughs> no, but, no. But, but you know what I mean? We're, we're all striving to be good citizens of the earth and striving to obey the law, but I really, really am late. And so I'm going to speed. And all of a sudden I realize that I'm not a perfect citizen, but that that's how the law function. It, It, it exposes the fact that I am ill equipped, but Jesus, man, Jesus, when he, came to the earth. The whole thing about sin is it's these things that separate me from God. It's these things that I do, it's these commands that I break that that distance me from the Father. Jesus is God. It's literally impossible for him to be separated. It's just not there except for when he bears our sin on the cross. That's the only time when the father turns his face away. But but there is this intimate connection that Jesus has where he is sinless. People get on Jesus' case because he works on the Sabbath. And it's like, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is just like, you guys don't get it. You guys think you're supposed to be lazy on the Sabbath. And I'm just trying to get you to rest in the fact that your father takes care of you. And you guys can't even do that. But... I'm resting in the fact that the father takes care of me. And yes, I am going to harvest some grain to feed me and my disciples. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay. Yes, I am going to heal this person. Are you mad at me that I healed them on the Sabbath? Oh, like they, they get all mad at him because you, you didn't follow the law. You broke the law. No, Jesus didn't break the law. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was in perfect peace with his father. In his perfection, he has the freedom, the ability to equip us to be like that. It's almost scary. It's, om- it's almost too much to say, are, are you serious? I could be like that. I could be, oh man, that's a lot of responsibility to, to be perfect, to be able to follow all of that, to be, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can take that. But, but Jesus does it in his power. And if we would lean into Him, if we would allow His Holy Spirit to direct us, we can be in that same perfect peace with our Father. He equips us. And that's what it says here in verse 3. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything. 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 I would just keep saying it. Because I mean everything. If you ever feel ill-equipped, I'm just going to say it's not Jesus' fault. (laughs) Jesus has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Reading on, um, oh, there it is, nice. To be a Christian is to be discipled. And that's where we see This list, this cool, fancy list. Peter gives all of this awesome rhetoric explaining why it is that God even desired to to give us these gifts and and how he is so glorious and awesome and he has invited us into that that same glory and excellence. and, And he says, in view of all of this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort to grow. To be a Christian is to be discipled. And I, when I typed that word discipled, I just kind of got... Um, like, ah, that's such a churchy word. I feel like we it's only in the church that we ever say disciple or discipled. And... I know when I was younger, I somehow got it mixed up with staples, disciples, staples, I don't know, whatever. And then also it's easy to get it mixed up with discipline and discipline sounds like, no, bad. what? No, you know and so it, it has this weird connotation to it, and, and but, but to be a Christian literally just means to be a little Christ. It means that, I, that I'm making myself like Christ. I have decided that that yeah, he's my king, he's my savior, and I'm going to I'm going to be like him. And a disciple is just a student, someone who adheres, who follows another person. And to disciple someone is to make them that student, to make them that follower. And so to be a Christian, it's the exact same. As being discipled, and then yeah, there is this connection to discipline, where a discipline is a a sometimes a profession or this this um, method of of or this this knowledge, this skill, this area, the school of thought. There's this discipline that I am trained in. There is a or, or another definition of. A discipline is something that I do to myself a self-discipline it's a or it's a regiment it's something that I hold to and that is vital in the life of a disciple so I sometimes when I write it like this I'm like "Ah, I don't know if that even works so I have a different way that I I wrote it on there in the next slide boom equal sign if you like math boom to be a Christian is to be discipled nice and simple but this, this development of characters, I, I don't know about you, but this list is so easy to just read and say, okay, check, 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 got it, okay, boom, got it, boom, I'm done. But he says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision. He, he's saying, build these on top of each other, ever increasing, keep it going. And in verse eight, he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, grow more like this. Keep going. Keep being productive. Keep, have these in ever-increasing value. Keep these qualities up. Be shaped. Because Christ is this, this perfect picture of obedience and submission to his Father and union with his Father. And that's what we're invited into. We're invited into this closeness with God, this communion with him, and also, yeah, obedience to him, adhering to what he is calling us to. There uh, is Mike Trout on the left and LeBron James on the right, two of the greatest athletes today, very strong, handsome Just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was strong. They're strong. When do you think that they made it? When do you think that they reached their peak? When, when are they done? When are, when are they like, all right, I'm, I'm here. I've made it. I don't know. Like when you, when you get into the major leagues or when you get into the ML or to the NBA, do do all of a sudden now I, I am, I, here I am. I'm a professional and I know what I'm doing, so I'm good. And I'm just gonna school all these kids. Even professionals have trainers. Even professionals have coaches, managers, people who help develop them and say, yes, you, LeBron, you are tall and strong and hardly anyone can beat you, unless you're the Clippers, where he probably played his worst basketball ever on Christmas day, but beside that point, you can be better that's that's what a coach says that's what a trainer says like yeah you're awesome man but there's still room to grow there's still room to improve and these guys got where they are because they had this self-discipline that said yeah actually I am pretty good but I know that I can get better I know that I can work hard and we have to have that same mindset as Christians one of the most dangerous things that can happen to us as Christians is is comfort because comfort for us can be complacency say you know what I'm I'm comfortable with where I am and so I'm not going to grow any closer to God I'm not asking you to to not be comfortable in the presence of God but what I am saying is that there is more there is more that God is calling you to always and you might be super close with God and you are absolutely on fire for him and you are Just changing the world for him. And even then, there is more that he is calling me to. There is more of himself that he wants to reveal to you. That he wants to show you his beauty. That's one of the best parts about that book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Is because for all eternity, I will be able to look at God. I will be able to look at Jesus and still be absolutely captivated by his beauty. There is always more to understand. Because God is... Ununderstandable. He is unfathomable, but he wants to reveal to us himself. I can only imagine what kind of effort that takes on God's part. Like, okay, I have to break this down in terms that you will be able to understand. (sighs) Okay. Um, But he always wants to be, there is an eternity of things to learn. And if I would lean into that, if I would put myself in the position, like these guys who say, I know that I'm not uh, as good as I could be yet I, I know that I'm not I haven't made it I know that I'm not there yet and there's always room to grow there is always this this ability to be closer to God and as Christians the the thing that happens to us when when we think that we've made it is when we isolate. Is when we are like, you know what? I'm good, actually. I know the Bible pretty well. I don't think that there's anything that the church is going to teach me that I haven't already heard. I grew up in church. I'm pretty sure I heard the whole Bible. So, like, are they going to are going to preach a new sermon? <laughs> they're they're going to preach from a text that I've heard before, that's for sure. So, I don't think I really even need, need to go to church. And plus... You know, it's just going to be uh, snacks and people, and hmm. I, I'm good. Me and God, we're good. We're good. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because we cut ourselves off from 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 brotherly love. We cut ourselves up off from church. We cut ourselves off from the ability to be accountable for someone to be accountable to us, so we could grow, so that we could make ourselves teachers, so that we could make ourselves leaders. Um, that was kind of a weird, weird way to say that God is going to be the one who shapes us and forms us into teachers and leaders don't don't establish yourself as one <laughs> um, and on that note join a disciple group uh, I'm telling you right now that's one of the main points of this text <laughs> join a disciple group because right there in the, in the beginning of verse 5 it says in view of all this make every effort to respond to God's promises. And and then what he continues to say is, add to your faith patience, or sorry, uh, add to your faith a general generous provision of moral excellence and add to your moral excellence knowledge and add and add and add and add. So, sign-ups are on the back table over there. Join our disciple group. Because um, a disciple group is a place where, one, there's food, which is good, and then there's 40 minutes of teaching, 40 minutes of prayer. And when you have time to to teach, to op- open God's word, and then time to talk to other people who are also human and have problems, and you get to tell them about your problems, and they get to tell you, you about theirs, and then you get to pray for each other, that is that is one of the most sacred things that God has for us on this, on this earth. First of all, I realize that I don't have to be perfect, which sometimes is a shock to people. It's like, wait, you mean I can be a Christian and I don't have to be perfect? I don't have to be flawless? I can I can actually... Sin will happen in my life and and I can grow past it and, and God will forgive me and people will forgive me? So to, disciple groups are, are one of the ways that we have tons of room to grow. Community, having... That accountability, having friends who truly care for you, who want to see you grow, it's really, really important. Really, really important. And, and while, while I'm on that note, another thing that, that Paul David Tripp really keys in on in, in his devotional for today is that it's really easy to look at the cross and say, You know what? Jesus took care of all of my sins. He washed them all away. My entire past is taken care of. And also, I know that there will be a day that I will be with Him. I will be in His presence. And that's really awesome. And so it's really easy to know that my past is taken care of, and know that my future is taken care of, and still be stressed out and freaking out in the present. And, and that's what, right, right in the beginning of our passage what Peter says God has given us everything we need for living a godly life and that's right now that's not in, that's not just that my past is taken care of and that my future is prepared for no right now I have what I need right now if I am leaning into him I am right where he wants me and I will need to grow to continue to be right where he wants me but right now if I am leaning into his presence I'm right where he wants me because Jesus, when He died, he broke us free from the power of fear, the power of regret, the power of discouragement, the power of denial, the power of desire for control. And so right now I can rest in the promises that God has for me right now. I can rest in who he is. I can rest in his presence. So yes, my past is taken care of. Yes, my future is provided for. But also right now, God is actively giving each one of his children everything that we need for our godly life. Now, here's where it gets tough as, as we... As we read in in verse 8, it says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9, But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So what that text is saying, that a Christian who is living halfway is blind and forgetful. A Christian who is missing out on the fullness of what God has for them is so wrapped up in what they're doing right now that they are missing the full picture of what God has for them. And they have forgotten the, the Savior who bought them, the Savior who cleansed them. A Christian who is living with lacking faith is blind and forgetful. A Christian who is living with lacking moral excellence, lacking knowledge, lacking self-control, lacking patience, lacking godliness, lacking brotherly affection, lacking love for everyone is blind and forgetful. Anyone ever lived without some of those things? Without patience, without love, without moral excellence, without self-control, without godliness, Without brotherly affection, without love, I got three, four, five of okay. There's a few of us. There's a few of us. A Christian who's living halfway is blind and forgetful. This is a problem. It's a real problem. But also, it's normal. There were hands everywhere. This is normal. That somehow. With all that Jesus has done for me, I can still forget, I can still be so consumed with my debt, so consumed with my work, my calendar, my family issues, so consumed with grief, so consumed with depression, that somehow I forget that very cross that saved me, that very cross that is sanctifying me, that very cross that brings me near, that, that, Collapses the gap between God and I, where I can be at peace with Him. That very cross that offers forgiveness for you and for me, I can forget it somehow. I can be nearsighted. I can be blind to it. It is a problem, but also it happens. It just happens. And as Christians, we really. Our goal is to just be be blind and forgetful as little as possible. I want to remember Jesus as often as I can. I rem- want to remember what he did for me as often as I can. Because Jesus is our king, but it happens with no, like earthly kings too, where they have people who serve them who are very close to the throne, but then they start to get a little bit greedy. And they forget the fact that there's someone who's in charge of them who could totally ruin their existence at any moment. There's someone who's really close to the throne who is a dedicated servant and then says, you know what though? I wish I was in charge. It's normal. It's human is what it is. And so we, we have a duty as as Christians to fight against blindness, to fight against forgetfulness, to be reminded often, to often have our eyes open to think about, man, what could God possibly have in store? What could his plan possibly be? Peter is bringing right now, in this very moment, from thousands of years ago to, to this very moment, Peter is bringing to the forefront of our mind and our vision, the fact that we are neglecting important areas of our Christian growth. And what are we going to do right now? Are we going to remain blind? Are we going to remain ignorant and forgetful? Or are we going to step up and change and grow? And what do we do as Christians to be able to step up, to change, to grow, to remain faithful, to remain faithful? remembering God, to remain wide-eyed and, and trying to see things God's way. I mean, it, it sounds a little bit pat and it sounds kind of churchy, but yeah, we can spend time in his word. I can change my schedule. I can make an adjustment in my calendar to spend... Time every day in his word or if I'm spending time every day in his word spending more time every day in His word or I can put in my calendar I can say you know what this time every day is gonna be when I pray and I'm just not gonna let people get in the way of that this is when I'm gonna just pause and I'm gonna pour out my heart to God and I'm just gonna wait and listen and see what he has to say to me and be ready that it's not what I'm hoping Or I can, I can come to church. I can be a part of a of a group that that loves Jesus, that every face here is another reminder. Man, there, there's someone else who's pursuing Jesus. Man, there's someone else who 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 sees him as King, as Savior. On that note, also you could join a disciple group. That's But right there, it's in verse 10. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. It's the heart of the disciple group to see that there are other people who are pursuing God who you can pursue God alongside of. There are people who love you, there are people who love God. And we get to be family with them. So if you're a Christian, you have you have a challenge, you have an opportunity. You've been reminded. You've been made aware again of the great love that God has for us. We've been made aware again of some of our failures, some of our flaws. And we have an opportunity to step up and just say, you know what? I'm not going to just say that my life right now is good. I'm not going to say that the amount that I am pursuing God right now is good. I'm going to lean in and say, I need more. And you know what? I sort of envy young Christians right now, Christians who who are new to the faith. I sort of envy you because you're just starting to get your life focused around God and you're looking at every area of your life and you're like, man yeah, I I could pretty much get rid of this altogether and spend all that time pursuing God. Oh man, yeah, I don't know how that's glorifying God right now. I'm just, I'm gonna man, I'm gonna spend more time in prayer. It's tougher for for Christians who have been Christian a long time. Because it's like, man, what do I adjust? What do I do? I've thought, I pretty much have this figured out. But man, I'm challenging you. I don't have this figured out. You don't have this figured out. We, we, we have another step to take. Don't be so comfortable that there's not any more steps to take closer to God. So you have a challenge. You have a challenge. What are you going to do? And if you're not a Christian, count the cost. You've heard a... Pretty harsh message, maybe, towards Christians, or at least very much like analyze your life and try to fix stuff. Um, Not from me, no, 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 from Peter. It was Peter who said it. And that's what this entire book is filled with. Greg was mentioning it earlier. When you are a Christian, you are made, you are adopted into God's family. You are made a part of his kingdom. That um, just some church history. Uh, If you're not Jewish, you you actually should not be in God's family. If you are not from a very particular group of people, like that, that was God's chosen people. But yet God made a way, he made a provision for us to be able to adopt us in, which was his heart from the very beginning. Man, it's just amazing. Oh man, God's so good. But... If you are not a Christian, if you are not Jewish, then you have been adopted into a family, and that family's name is Israel. Israel. Israel is the name that's given to Jacob when he wrestles with God. He's caught in this wrestling match with God and he doesn't realize it. He's like, he just I don't know, it's a weird story. The Bible's kind of weird. But He's wrestling with them, and God's like, all right, dude, whatever, this has been weird, but like, let go of me. And, and Jacob says, I will not let go, of you, me, let go of you until you bless me. And he's like, okay. And he touches his hip, so that he's always got this limp or something, I don't know. And, and then they let go, and he says, I'm going to change your name. Your name's no longer going to be Jacob, which means deceiver, and slippery one instead, your name is going to be Israel, which means wrestles with God. And that name is what now is the name that every person in that nation bears. Every person in that tribe, that whole family, bears, there's a country that is named wrestles with God. That is the name that we bear when we join the family of faith. We join, we join a group of people that are wrestling, who are who are constantly in, in a battle here to say, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know what I think about that. I don't know what to think. But it's a wrestling match that we have inside of our own hearts. So, if you're not a Christian, count the cost. There's a story that Jesus tells that... Look, if, if you're about to go to, to war with another army, make sure you count your people and then count their people. And if they have more than you, then go and make peace with them. Like, Don't, don't fight a losing battle. Or if you're going to build a tower, like first make sure you have enough money to build the tower because if you build it halfway, run out of money, then everyone's going to look at you and laugh. So count the cost. See if this is really what you want for your life. Do you want to wrestle with God? And if that is how you feel, if that is what's in your heart, then your Savior and your King is awaiting you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love, for your presence, God. God, I pray for everyone, Lord, that there are many who, who are just enraptured with you, who are just captivated by your beauty, Lord, who have made a decision to say, you are my king. God, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, Lord, that we would be prompted to not allow ourselves to be complacent, to not allow ourselves to be just okay with, with our level of intimacy with you, but God, we would constantly be pursuing greater depths of relationship. God, that we would be constantly pursuing understanding you more. God, we thank you. And God, I want to pray for every person who's just thinking about it, who's just coming to church and and trying to figure out what they believe. God, I want to pray that um, you would stir in their hearts something new, God, it's a work that only you can do and and I thank you. I thank you that it's not something that we can do on our own because that would just be religion and practice, but God instead, we get to actually be with you and actually be guided by you, Lord, we thank you. so God today as we leave. Would you strengthen us? Would you make us bold? Would you make us brave to do things that are very counterculture and to do things that are very difficult for the sake of your glory? God, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.